It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey, this is Trey. Thank you for joining us for Thursdays with Mary Langston and uh, episodic guest appearances uh, by Trey. This, uh, as you know by now, um, or if you're just tuning in, this is when you get to ask the questions and I try to answer them without the assistance of counsel. And I hope I don't need a lawyer today, but we'll find out here in just a second. Mary Langston, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Trey. How are you? Who else would I have? You say that every week, like there's like a long list of people dying to ask me questions. You never know. There's always going to be someone better. But here we are. No, no, there is not. (laughs) No, I can I can I can tell you there is not. So uh, thank you for doing this. And I hope you had a great weekend. Yes, sir. I did. How about you? Did you play golf? You know what? I may have. I may have. Yeah. Good. It was beautiful weather here in South Carolina. So I do not blame you. Yeah. So why ruin it by playing golf? But, but I did <laughs> anyway, uh, played with Watson Saturday and Sunday and we had a great time and you're right. We're, we're out of winter. So I'm happy. Well, good, good, good. Is there anything in sports we should be watching Trey? Uh, what's going on right now? Uh, the NFL draft obviously is coming up. Um, uh, baseball, University of South Carolina is not doing great in baseball. Mm. We're about, you know, right at a month away from college baseball and softball. We're in kind of a, a lull in terms of football. And I, I don't I don't follow pro basketball because the Lakers are so bad. And the Cincinnati <laughs> Reds, I think, are on a historic losing streak. So I don't watch, you know, Major League Baseball either. So it, I'm I'm in a I'm in a not great spot sports wise, but Terry keeps telling me that I've been here before, and I just have to <laughs> hang on until late August. I like that. Well, we have some good questions today. Are you ready to get started? I think so. All right, perfect. Our first question is from Butch. He writes, "Why is the media, including conservative mainstream, not addressing the question as to why the current administration is so intent?" on open borders and doing nothing to stop illegal immigration? Well, I, th- I think, um, you know, at least the television stations and the, and the, you know, media sites I go to, I think they are covering the issue. They're covering the what. The why is always the hardest question to answer because that involves motive and intent. And it's hard to know why. I think some media outlets are, you know, at least trying to figure out the why. And if you want to understand the why, you can go back to the Democrat primary and listen to what not just, you know, now President Biden or now Vice President Harris, but all the candidates listen to the way they frame the issue 
on border security, how they frame the issues on immigration. I mean, I never in my life thought that border security would be a contentious political issue. I never I made mean, people have different ideas, I guess, on how how many folks should should be allowed to immigrate into the country. People have different perspectives on deportation. But I didn't think there were like two schools of thought on border security. But I, I've been doggone if I was not wrong. So what you're seeing is going to be a political liability in November. So the, the at least when I was in the Congress, I think the Democrats made the calculus that if they appeared to be, you know, a certain way on immigration, that it would uh, help them not only with Hispanic voters, but also with women voters. That was the political calculus that they engaged in. I remember one hearing in particular where I think he may have been the mayor of San Antonio at the time and then went on to be a secretary under President um, by, uh, under President Obama, uh, Secretary Castro. I remember him referring to 14 million people in this country as aspiring Americans, as if 14 million people of any of any type, 14 million Catholic nuns probably could not pass a background check. But they made the decision that this issue is good for us. And this is what Hispanic voters and female voters want to hear. And I think that is no longer the case. I, I think border security is what makes you a country. And you can still have a different position on uh, how many people should immigrate. You can have a different position on asylum and refugee status, on deportation. But border security, for most reasonable-minded people, is what a sovereign country should have. The why is always probably a desire to win. Um, and I think that's backfiring. And I think you'll see it backfire in November. Well, thank you, Trey. Our next question is from Carol. And we actually had this question from Harris on the podcast on Tuesday. And she writes, how did you and Senator Scott become friends? Oh, wow. How did we become friends? We did not know each other until uh, November of 2010. We had never met. We almost met. You probably don't even know this, Mary Langston. Mm -hmm. um, he was running for lieutenant governor in South Carolina in 2010. And he called me. We're both part of something called the Liberty Fellowship in South Carolina, although we're in different classes. But, you know, Liberty Fellows interact with each other from time to time. And he called me and said, I'm going to be in Spartanburg at Walford College for a lieutenant governor's debate. And I'd love to meet you. And I thought, well, he sounds like a good guy. So um, I wasn't planning on going to the debate. I didn't even like going to my own debate. So I certainly wasn't going to go to somebody else's debate. <laughs> but I said, you know, if you're in Spartanburg, let me know. I'd, I'd love to have, you know, a glass of tea with you or a cup of coffee. Let me know. And I read the paper the next morning and Tim Scott was a no show for the lieutenant governor's debate. And I thought, well, boy, he's got a bright future in politics. He doesn't even show up for like debates. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is up with this guy? And then like a day later, two days later, he was running for Congress. And he beat Strom Thurmond's son, and he beat Carol Campbell's son, and he beat a ton of other people in the primary for that congressional race. And he was far and away 
the best known of the 80 some odd people in that freshman class of 2010. And we, we, so we met then and obviously such a nice guy. He makes everybody feel like a friend, but we were at dinner at the Capitol Hill club one night and I could tell something was just not, you know, not right. And I'm sitting there thinking you're more popular than Elvis. Everyone in Washington already knows who you are. Leadership, you know, Boehner and Eric Cantor and McCarthy and all, and Paul Ryan, all those folks love you. They know who you are. They know your story. And yet we're sitting at dinner and, you know, something wasn't quite right. And so we had the first of what is now up to about a million conversations about life and how to prioritize. And I remember telling him there was no one knocking on doors in Charleston, South Carolina in August in the heat with you. You were doing that by yourself. So don't let other people tell you who you ought to be and what you ought to be for or spend your capital. That's what I said. I don't let other people spend your political capital. You earned it. And, you know, Tim wanted to be a congressman from South Carolina who happened to be black. I mean, if you hear him describe himself, he says, number one, I'm a Christian. Number two, I'm a conservative. Number three, I'm a Republican. And oh, by the way, you may have noticed I'm black. That's the way he describes himself. But there was this pressure when he got there to not be a congressman from South Carolina who happens to be black, but to be a black Republican. So it's it a question of what you lead with. And he was never comfortable and still is not to this day comfortable leading with anything other than what he believes. So that was the first of like a trillion conversations that he have and I've had. And I think, I mean, I left that conversation seeing a humility, a faith centricity, if that's a word. And I think he would tell you he left that conversation thinking even in a world full of ambitious people like Washington, where you always want to get ahead of someone else. Um, I found someone that would give me decent advice. And that began the ritual of us eating dinner. I mean, people think, you know, people think I'm being hyperbolic. You were there for it. So, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a night that went by that we did not get together for, uh, for dinner, for a cookie back when I ate cookies or uh, decaf coffee. It was just something we committed to do. And we still, I mean, to this day, I got a text from him late yesterday afternoon saying, I'm just checking in, making sure you're doing okay. That's a daily ritual between us. Mm -hmm. So it started because the most popular guy in the freshman class was eating dinner with the least popular guy in the freshman class. And we decided to be, you know, first and foremost, friends rather than uh, political allies. That's so sweet. Well, thank you so much well, for answering that question. That. You, you, you've been like, yes, you've had a front row seat to every bit of that. Mm -hmm. And it was just as special to see it as to hear about it. Well, well you're going to make me cry, but thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Carol, for that question. I loved hearing that. We're going to hold it right there. Be back right after this. 
I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. And our last question is from Johnny. And we're switching gears a little bit, Trey. He writes, I don't understand impeachment. How does that all work? Impeachment. Um, there's a fascinating book on impeachment and it's a short read. In fact, I read it, I read it, you know, cover to cover sitting in a hotel room. Um, I don't even know where we were. We were somewhere, but, uh, we had a little bit of time before it was time, I guess, to go talk. And I just sat there and read it. So impeachment, you find it in the constitution, but there, there's not a whole lot around it. I mean, high crimes and misdemeanors. What does that mean? I mean, a misdemeanor is a speeding ticket in South Carolina. So that surely that's not what they meant. High crimes and misdemeanors. So the way to look at impeachment is who is eligible for impeachment? I mean, Supreme Court justices, the president, um, but members of Congress, senators are not eligible for impeachment. There are other folks in government that are not eligible for impeachment. So number one, you have to identify the category of folks to whom impeachment applies. And then you need to go look at the constitution and see what it says, which I've essentially have summarized for you. And then you have two types of impeachment. You have the removal from office, and then you have the bar from ever holding office again. And most people separate those two. You, you can do both at the same time. But you can remove someone from office without barring them from ever holding office in the future. The House, you know, think of impeachment like an indictment. The House is the grand jury. They indict. And then the Senate is the jury. And that's where the trial takes place. And you have to get two thirds of the senators for conviction. So I think it is accurate to say Bill Clinton was impeached, but not convicted. Donald Trump was impeached, but not convicted. There have been others in the past secretaries impeached, but not convicted. There have been judges that have been both impeached and convicted. It's a mix of of law and politics. Like you can be impeached for malfeasance in office. Like if you're supposed to show up for work and you don't show up for work, you can be impeached for that. Can you be impeached for doing what you said you were going to do on the campaign trail, even though your political opponents don't like it. I, you know, (laughs) there are no rules on impeachment. I mean, it it is, it is a mixture of, of law and politics. So when I was there, there were calls to impeach John Koskinen, who is the IRS commissioner. I mean, IRS commissioner, but like by definition is not popular. Uh, Even if he or she is doing their job, they're not popular. There were calls to impeach Rod Rosenstein. There were, I mean, before I got there, there were calls to impeach President Obama. There obviously were more than calls to impeach President Trump. They impeached him twice. There are currently calls to impeach people. I, I think clearly we're in this season where it's being used more than it used to be. But you don't see the conviction rate going up. You see the accusation rate going up, but not the conviction rate. So it's I struggle with it because I'm used to the courtroom where there are rules. There are very few rules. I mean, hearsay, you can use hearsay. 
I mean, it, it's high crimes and misdemeanor, malfeasance in office, corruption. But then you got to try the person and then you have to get two thirds. And, and um, I would recommend that book. I think it's by Charles Black, who was a law professor at Texas, but I'll, I'll have to triple check that. But it was kind of a fascinating summary. And the reason it's a short book is because the Constitution doesn't say much about it. It is, you know, what's an impeachable offense? Pretty much whatever the House of Representatives thinks is an impeachable offense. And then you get to the Senate. And if it is the trial of a president, the chief justice presides. And if it's not the trial of a president, the chief justice does not have to preside. It's rarely been successful in our country, but I, I hear about it more now because, you know, people think it is a way to pay back their political enemies, but I don't see the conviction rate going up any. Well, thank you, Trey, for answering that question. And thank you to all our listeners for the great questions. Keep them coming. Uh, mm-hmm. I love them. They make, they make me think. And um, it's the one day out of the week that Mary Langston takes my call. So <laughs> keep them coming. And I hope you all have a great week and I hope the weather is fantastic wherever you are and that all your favorite sports teams are winning. And by the next time I talk to you, Mary Langston, we will know who Dallas picked in the draft. So it's a, do you know when the draft <laughs> is Mary Langston? Uh, I do not. So please tell us. Uh, well, everybody else might know. <laughs> well, please tell me. How about that? It starts Thursday night. Will you be watching it? Well, or do you I might have, just ask you for like what your, makes you happiest with the draft? You probably have one of your 12 to 15 Bible studies on Thursday night, don't you? I think I'm actually going to a soccer game for a high school student, but yes. <laughs> You're kidding me. Like voluntarily or against your will? Voluntarily. You're voluntarily going to watch other people's children play high school soccer. Of course. <laughs> oh, my heavens. And well, hoping it's not going to rain. I'll make a deal okay. with you. You can tell me who won the soccer game, and I'll tell you who Dallas picked. That works for me. That's a deal. All right. Oh, have fun of that. Have fun of that soccer game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anytime there's a sport where the score can be zero zero, and they call it the beautiful game, I, I <laughs> I'm gonna have to get you to <laughs> save me ninety minutes of my life and just tell me how it turned out. That sounds perfect. I won't invite you to that one. (laughs) All right. Y'all take care and I'll talk to you later, Mary Langston. And I hope everybody has a fabulous week. Have a great week. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.